All right, men. Well, good morning. How are you? Good. Well, we're going to talk about getting old this morning, so enjoy how you're feeling right now. Not because I, I want to depress you or anything, and neither does Solomon, but it's just what the Bible talks about, so we're going to talk about it. All right, a couple of announcements, though. We've got uh, our men's breakfast coming up in June. I believe it's June 5th, if I'm remembering that correctly, and I'll be back at that one. I've missed the last two, so I'm looking forward to getting back uh, in there, and uh, our uh, parable series will start up. We've got one more week after this week in Ecclesiastes, and our parable series starts up June 8th, so we've got the the breakfast on the 5th, and then the next week starts our summer series. And again, just as a reminder, that series is designed to uh, make sure that the guys can show up when they're available, and if they're traveling and taking a vacation during the summer and things, they can still jump right back in because it's, it's not going to necessarily build one message to another, to another, to another, but it's going to be more of a serial approach to it where you get one kind of full, complete uh, story in, in each of the parables. Um, so just encourage your men that way. If you've got guys that go on vacation and then disappear after that, just encourage them, hey, you can jump back in. You don't need to, to wait. Um, we want you to, to be able to go and then come back. And then we'll start John in the fall, uh, which I'm looking forward to. So uh, yeah, I think that covers it. I mean, we've got Compass Active events going on. We've got uh, shooting going on. We've got golf going on. In fact, golf is going on tomorrow, and that is selling out increasingly, and so it seems like all of our golfers are ready to get back out there, which is, is fun. But uh, yeah, just check our, our website, compasschurch.org slash men, and that will give you more information on what's coming up. Again, mark your calendars if you weren't here last week. October 22nd through the 24th is going to be our men's retreat, and so we've got that uh, booked and are excited about uh, getting out and getting away. Well, let me pray, and then we will be in Ecclesiastes 11 and the first part of 12. God, we're grateful uh, for your goodness, your kindness to us, and uh, your provision for us. And we're thankful in that provision we have your word, which is uh, inerrant and authoritative and uh, certainly applicable to our lives. Uh, God, we're, we're grateful that You've made yourself known to us in a way that we can understand, and I pray that we would be faithful stewards of your written revelation to us, that we would study it, that we would learn it, that we would meditate on it, that we would conform our lives to its principles and its standards and its statutes. In Psalm 19, you say there's life in your word, and so God, we want that and desire that and ask for that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been said that inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. And while I'm not quite there yet, I'm, I'm getting there, and I'm recognizing more and more of the signs. In fact, this past week, my dad was in town, and we decided to build this deck cover for an in-ground jacuzzi that's no longer an in-ground jacuzzi, but simply a trap for mosquitoes. So... We went to Home Depot, and I, I sold my firstborn so I could buy some wood, and... Uh, I got the, uh, the two-by-sixes, and we got, I think, 14 of them or whatever, and some two-by-fours to bracket it, and we got it all home and started to go to work to build it, and we, we got this thing built just square and eight-by-eight eight square. There were like 12 two-by-sixes across or however many there were, and we built it. The problem is we built it about 30 feet away from where it needed to go, and then my dad and I looked at each other, and we said, okay, well, let's just move it over there, and we went to go lift and, you know, lift with your legs, and it it really didn't move. So then we began this weird 
turn it up on its end, flip it over, turn it up on its end, flip it over, turn it up on its end, flip it over until we got to where it needed to go. And in the process, we ran into an overhang porch and had to back up and restart. It was a, it was a disaster, really. It's on top now. I don't know how quite we got it on top. There was a dolly involved eventually, and I got my 12-year-old out there, and he helped us. But all I know, man, I woke up the next morning, and I had muscles hurting me that I didn't even know I had. And they were thankfully in my legs because you're supposed to lift with your legs, right, and not with your back. But it didn't used to hit me that way when I was younger. And so I'm, I'm beginning to, to enter into that. And Solomon's going to drive it home for us in this passage. If you came this morning and you're feeling spry and you're feeling youthful, great. Hold on to that feeling. Solomon's not here, again, to crush us or depress us or to discourage us, but he's here to simply call us to what is reality. And while we may avoid a, a, a young death, none of us are going to avoid aging. It's a reality that every single one of us face. And Solomon's going to address in this passage both the young and the old. And I want to encourage you that if, if you are one of our more, let me put it gently, more seasoned saints, to, to stay tuned even to what he says to the young. Because here's what I want to encourage you with. To someone, you're young. In fact, to the person that you will be next week, you're younger this week than you are next week. You're younger today than you will be tomorrow. And you're younger this year than you'll be next year. And so there's something to remember about what Solomon is saying here. There's something to internalize and to learn whether you are just fresh out of school, fresh out of college and starting your life and newly married, or you are on the backside of all of that and you see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and it's a little bit brighter for you than it is for some other people. You still have much to learn from what Solomon says. So grab your Bibles in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. 7 and 8, Solomon says this, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. And so here's Solomon again instructing us on how we can love life under the sun. How we can live in this, this life. And, and yes, he's indicted life under the sun in the first seven chapters, eight chapters. And he's turned to this proverbial instructions in 9, 10, 11, and even 12 here. And he's instructing us how should we then live in light of the fact that there, is so many, there are so many rather pitfalls for us. That if we live for these things under the sun, we'll find ourselves discouraged and downtrodden. And it's, it's vanity, it's vapor, it's here and it's gone. And it's not going to satisfy you and be warned about these things. In light of all of that then, Solomon, how should we then live? And he's really instructing us how we should live day by day as he lands the plane here. And one of the things he wants us to remember is, look, life is to be enjoyed. If you wake up in the morning and you see the sunlight and you feel its warmth as you walk outside, that's a sweet and a pleasant thing, he says. Something as, as simple and as, as basic as that. And Solomon's encouraging us that way, right? I remember when I was growing up and, and younger in high school, all I could think about was, man, I can't wait to graduate high school and go to college. And then it was, man, I can't wait to graduate college and get married. And then it was, man, I can't wait to have kids. And then it was, I can't wait to go to seminary. And then it was, I can't wait to finish with seminary and go get started in my career. And then I was in the, a, a job that I was working in. It was, okay, what's next, God? And then it was, okay, what's next, God? And then it was, okay, let's go back to school, God. Okay, then let's get done with this, God. And and it was so much focused on the future that I was missing so much of what was going on right in front of me. And that's why people say inside every old person's, 
old person is a young person wondering what happened. Because we can get so caught up in what's coming that we fail to enjoy what's here. And that's what Solomon's trying to get us to do. Sometimes we put it this way. He wants us to stop and what? Smell the roses. Stopping to see the sun and to feel the warmth and enjoy the day that the Lord has provided for you. Our first point this morning is this, man. Take time to enjoy your life. Take time to enjoy it. You have today. Enjoy that reality. Don't worry so much about tomorrow that you get through the end of the day and you have no idea how you got from point A to point B. Take time to enjoy your relationships. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friendships. Enjoy this moment right now. Enjoy the small group that's going to take place after this. Enjoy your drive wherever you're going after this. Right? Enjoy these things in life because you have today. And that's ageless. Whether you're 25 or you're 75. Today is a gift from God and we need to take time to enjoy it. He's given us good things in life to enjoy, right? Not to make ultimate things, right? For example, music. Music is a good thing. But if somebody was to say, my whole life is about this one band. My whole life is about this one artist. And they arranged their schedule and they traveled to every concert that they had. And they had all of their paraphernalia and everything else. You'd look at that person and say, what are you thinking, right? You're wasting your life. But to enjoy music is a good thing. Yes, it's a gift from God. We can enjoy it. We can even use it for the worship of the Lord. Or coffee, right? Pastor Mark doesn't listen to these, so I'm allowed to talk about coffee in this, right? If somebody is, is just a, a coffee aficionado and loves coffee, in fact, Pastor Mark's dad is right here, right? And you know firsthand, loves coffee to that. I keep poking Pastor Mark because I keep bringing K-cups by his office asking him if he wants me to make him one. But if somebody loves coffee so much, and Pastor Mark's not like this, but, but they, that's what they live for, right? They know everything. They've bought all the different gizmos and gadgets out there, and they study it, and they read about it, and that's what they're whole, You'd say, man, you need to take a break and have a K-cup. But, man, if you just enjoy coffee as a gift from God because you wake up in the morning and it accompanies your time in the Word, coffee's a gift from God that we can praise God for, and I do every single morning. Right? That's why I set the automatic timer on my coffee pot before I go to bed. Because I want to wake up and I want the coffee to greet me in the morning along with God's word. That's something that is a good thing that we can enjoy. Or your career. You may love what you do and love your job, but Solomon's already indicted that, hasn't he? If you live for your career, if you live for accomplishment, if you live for your job, if you live to, be, to, to get to the top of the corporate ladder, Solomon said you're going to get there and realize, man, you've wasted your life. But your job can also be enjoyed as simply what it is. It's a gift from, from God. If it will take time to realize these gifts, these good things in the day-to-day, then we will we'll get what Solomon's talking about here. You remember the story of Mary and Martha, right? How Martha was so busy. And what was Martha doing? She was, she was serving, wasn't she? She was getting the house ready because Jesus and the disciples were coming. And, and in fact, they had arrived and she's there and she's cleaning up the house and she's putting everything in order and she's got the food on the, the stove and she's trying to get the guest towels out and she's making sure that everybody has what they need and wants to make sure all the water pitchers are filled and everybody's cup is, and every, is the temperature okay and is everything good? And she looks over and sees her sister Mary and what's Mary doing? Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to her rabbi listening to the Messiah, enjoying the moment, 
She's not worried about whether or not the guest towels are out in the bathroom. She's not worried about the minutia. She's not worried about what she has to do tomorrow or the next day. She's saying, I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to sit and I'm going to learn and I'm going to hear from my master. And Mary gets upset, doesn't she? Or Martha, rather, gets upset, doesn't she? She says, Lord, my sister's being lazy. Tell her to help me. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, Martha, Mary has chosen the, the better part, yes? For some of us, the better part is, is slowing down a little bit in life. And found, foundationally and fundamentally doing what Mary did here, sitting and, and making sure we're reengaging with God. Some of you guys are so busy with your plans and your agenda and your five-year plan and your goals and everything else that you've squeezed time and the word out of your life. You squeeze that prayer time out of your life. You squeeze that fellowship time out of your life. And, and I would encourage you that the first place I would start by taking time to enjoy your life is, is to bring that back and to put it at the forefront. We need to be men who are, are sitting at the feet of our Savior, so to speak, daily, learning from him, hearing from his word, but then also as you just go about your day, enjoying the things that you have, right? Those opportunities to go see your kid or your grandkid play a baseball game. Just enjoying the, the, the gifts that the Lord gives, sunrise, coffee, the ocean, whatever it may be for you. Whatever, as, as one pastor says, stirs your affection for Jesus, bring more of that into your life. Psalmist says next, he says, look, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in the youthful ones. Is that what he says? If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in the first 39. Is that what he says? No, he says what? If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, in all of them. That's why I'm saying, look, this is not a message just for the 25-year-old, but also for the 75-year-old. This is Solomon saying, look, God wants you to enjoy the life that he has provided for you. And then he issues this caveat. He says, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. The days of darkness, it's a, it's a euphemistic statement that Solomon makes that uh, has to do with the days that approach our death. In Ecclesiastes 6.4, darkness applies to death, refers to death. And so Solomon is saying there's going to be those days towards the end of our life when death is near and the body is, uh, is nearing its end physically. And we can't do the same things, we can't think the same things, we can't speak the same way. And those days will come and they will be, he says, many. It's, it's amazing how fleeting youth can be and yet how long it can seem that our our old age can drag out as we approach these days of darkness. And this is why some people say, you know what, I don't want to grow old. I want to go out in a blaze of glory while I'm young. It's the fear of this reality that Solomon has just introduced. That you won't be able to go as long or run as fast or recover as quickly as you once could. And those without Christ sometimes think, well, what's the point? But Solomon has said, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them. And so I want to ask you, men, no matter where you are, what stage of life you are in, what is it that brings you joy on a daily basis? How are you today taking time to enjoy the life that God has provided for you? Maybe it is a cup of coffee. Maybe it is a ball game. Maybe it is a, a, a musician that you enjoy listening to as you study or as you work. Whatever that may be, I want you to think about, okay, what are the things that bring me joy? And then how can I trace the source of that joy back to God? Because every good and perfect gift comes from who? It comes from the Father. 
And so whatever that is, if that's you enjoy watching the Dodgers, or you enjoy watching the Angels, or you enjoy watching, you know, whatever it may be, how can you trace the joy that you get from that back to the Father? Because that's what we need to do, right? That's how we fulfill what Paul calls us to in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. Maybe it's food you enjoy. I got to go to, again, I mentioned this last week, back to Texas. I won't call it what it's known by in the eyes of God, but you know what I'm talking about. I got to go back to Texas, and I got to have good barbecue. And I tell you what, man, it was amazing. It had been so long since I had good barbecue. Just as a sidebar, man, Lucille's? Lucille's is the Mormonism of barbecue, okay? Let me explain. Lucille's says it's barbecue just like the Mormons say they're Christians. But if you follow Lucille's, you're going to be led to barbecue perdition. Just like if you follow Mormonism, you're going to be led to eternal perdition, okay? Let's just get that out of the way. Anyways, but I was there and I was savoring this brisket and it was a a religious experience. I was able to glorify God for the good gifts that he had given, right? That's what we're talking about. Take time to enjoy your life. Yes, this book has warned us time and time against living for what's under the sun. I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about living for the one who's given you the good things under the sun and praising him for that. Well, not only is life to be enjoyed for everyone at all stages, but Solomon does want to address specifically the, the youthful. And I want you, if, if you would sit out there this morning and say, well, that's not me. I, I want you still to tune in because here's my challenge to you. Men, those that are younger need those that are older. I said this last night, and I want to make it clear again this morning. You never reach a place where you retire from being useful to the Lord. Ever. Those of you who have lived years more than, than others in the room, you have wisdom to provide to those that are younger, and that wisdom is needed. And young men out there, let me encourage you, seek that wisdom out. Because we need it. We need the men who have gone before us, and we need to learn from their triumphs, learn from their mountain peaks, and and learn from their valleys, and learn from the mistakes that they made, and just learn from the the relationship with the Lord that they have. And so, uh, older men, let me encourage you, stay tuned to what Solomon says here, because there are younger men that need you to come alongside them and encourage them in the same way. But ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, right, our, our bodies, what? They break down, don't they? And we can't run as fast, and we can't go as long, and we can't stay up as late, and we can't eat whatever we want, and our bodies don't recover as quickly as they used to. And so, so Solomon, knowing that towards the end of his life, is looking at the young men in his sphere of influence, and he says to them this in verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Rejoice, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Now he says this, walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Now that, that should be a red flag to you as you read that. That should not sit well with you. And we'll come back to why in just a moment. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. There's our word. There's two commands that he gives here. The first one is rejoice in your youth. Rejoice in your youth. Okay, we understand that. We even were just talking about that a moment ago. Take each day as it comes and live each day to its fullest. But Solomon is is providing a warning here. He's saying rejoice in your youth, but be careful about how you use your youth. 
And he paints this picture. He says, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. And then he says this one, walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Now that should cause warning bells to sound in our minds. Because if we know anything, we know that the Bible teaches us that we should not follow our heart. In Numbers 15.39, Numbers 15.39, it's recorded, And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, and not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. Well, it seems that Solomon is telling us we should. But Moses is saying, or rather God is saying, don't. Well, do Moses and Solomon disagree with each other? Or 2 Samuel 7, 3. You remember from our study of First and 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel 7 opens up with David desiring to what? Build the, the temple. And Nathan, the prophet, comes to him, and Nathan has a wonderful word for David. He says this, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. The only problem is the Lord wasn't with that. Because remember what happens, God speaks to, to Nathan following that interaction and says, hey, hey Nathan, did, did you check with me on that one? Uh, no, but I thought it was a good idea. Build a temple. That's a good desire, right? And God says to Nathan, it's not for David to do, but for his son Solomon to do. And you need to go back to David and saying, hey, David, you know that advice I gave you to follow your heart? Well, we actually need to follow the Lord instead. And the Lord's saying not to build a temple. Or the one that we often think of when you hear about heart in the Bible, and that's Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But Solomon, Solomon is saying, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth and walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Solomon, what gives? Well, it's what follows is what gives. He says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you, what, into judgment. See, Solomon's talking to the young man saying, yeah, you're young, and there's joy to be found in that. And there is, there's a vigor that you have, and there's an excitement about life that you possess, and there's a, a, an energy that you have that maybe I don't have. But Solomon is saying to this young man, hey, you need to be careful. Because, look, if you think to yourself, okay, well, I'm young. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to say, well, what does my heart want? And I'm going to go do that. Solomon is saying, just realize there's a day you're going to appear before the Lord. And all those decisions that you're making as a young man, they're going to come back as you appear there and you stand there before the judge. Our second point this morning, and this is the advice that our young men need, is re recognize that youthful choices carry eternal consequences. Recognize that youthful choices carry eternal consequences. The young man who says, as Solomon alludes to here in, in verse 10, remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life, he says, are, are, are vanity. He says, look, if you're going to live that way, understand that you're going to come into judgment. But if that's really the life that you're going to live, then live it to its fullest. Remove vexation from your heart. Anything that would make you anxious, medicate that. Take pain away from your body. You know, if, if, if you're going to live just for life under the sun, then man, get the most out of it that you can. Don't be anxious. Drown your angst and your pain in alcohol. Yeah, dr drown those things in drugs. Pursue sex. Pursue whatever it is that you want. Go back to chapter 2 that Solomon would say that I wrote about and, and pick one of those things from chapter 2. 
Whatever one of those things are that you want to just medicate your, your, your pain and the reality of the fact that you're getting older and death is going to eventually come to you. Yeah, while you're young, you may want, not want to think about that. So pick from the menu in chapter 2, but just know that for all of these things that you do, you're going to be brought into judgment. And then this holds true for our, our Christian young men as much as it does for the, the young men of the world. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.10, we've referenced it so many times in this book. Jesus makes it clear through Paul. He says, look, we must all, believers, all of us, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due for what we have done in the body, whether good or evil. And our, our youthful choices carry eternal consequences. Now, is that a judgment of punishment and pain? No, but is that a forfeiture of reward? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Scripture says some are going to be saved, but only as through fire. And that should weigh, and, and honestly, man, I think our young men struggle to wrestle with what does that actually mean for me? And some of you older men in the room, you're even recognizing not only do youthful choices carry eternal consequences, but they also can carry temporal consequences for later in life. And see, those are some of the things that, that our young men need you to come alongside them and say, look, this looks good to you right now, but let me tell you, I've been where you are. I've walked through this valley before. It's not going to give you what you think it will. Learn from my pain. Learn from my trials. And what the Lord has taught me through the valley of sanctification. So many are, are, are living their lives, especially so many of our youth right now, and the world especially that we live in right now, which is a world of cultural relativity that just says, do what you want to do. Who cares about anything else? Whatever you want to identify as, identify as that. Whatever you want to be, be that. Yeah, if you want to go beat up girls in a track race and you're a guy, go for it. Do it. If, just wear a wig and call yourself Susie while you do. I mean, the, the absurdity of our culture, and yet it's, it's catering to this idea of, hey, I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to experience pain don't bring anything negative into my life i'm who are you to tell me what to do that's the worldview that's the mindset that we're talking about here some of you have lived that life and again you have the wisdom to now come alongside these younger men and say look i've, I've been where you are and let me encourage you as an older brother don't do this Young men out there, find a, a man who's older than you and get to know him better. Learn from his wisdom. Learn from his ways. Ask him questions. Find out his story. It's far more profitable than probably most of the podcasts that you listen to. Some of you may even still be living this life. Think, well, this is my life right now. I'm, I'm young and I'll deal with all of these things when I get older. I'll put that sin off when I get older. I'll get right with God when I get older. But here's the problem, men. Age doesn't sanctify you. It just makes you an older sinner. I wish it sanctified us. Age will mature you physically, but not spiritually. And time served doesn't make up for sins committed. It's not as though the Lord is just going to forget about those things. Oh, yeah, well, that was 20 years ago. Oh, well, that was 15 years ago. There's no statute of limitations on the sins that we commit. See, we need Jesus. 
We need forgiveness. We need the cross. We need salvation. We need deliverance, man. That's the only way that the true eternal consequences of our youthful choices and our our youthful indiscretion, our sin, right? That's the only way that the true consequences can be dealt with. And that is through the, the cross, that Jesus bore the wrath of God for us on the cross. And now we don't fear that wrath any longer. And so maybe for some of you, you need to start there this morning. For others of you, you need to, to repent and put off that mindset and, and return again to say, okay, Lord, it's day by day living for you, not for me. In fact, that's where Solomon goes in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Again, that's the days of darkness that we've already spoken of. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. He he calls him our creator. And there's a couple things that we need to think about there. Number one, it's just that, that God is the creator. That we owe our existence not to our mom and dad, but to God. God is the creator. Psalm 139 says he knit us together in our mother's womb. Psalm 139 says he established a number of days for us to live before even one of them had come to pass. God is our creator. The second thing that means, men, is that we are accountable to him for how we live our lives. And that's why Solomon is saying, remember your creator while you are young. Remember that he is your creator and you are accountable to him and that's going to help you. Remember him before the the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say I have no pleasure in them before the sun. And here he goes into this grand metaphor for aging. And somebody asked me, they said, Pastor PJ, why doesn't he just say what he means here? Why does he use this code or this confusing language? Well, it wasn't code or confusing language when Solomon was writing. These were common metaphors for aging. As he's writing these things, people would have understood what he was writing. We look at this and we say, well, we don't talk this way. No, we don't talk this way. But it doesn't mean we can't understand what he's driving at. Solomon wasn't trying to hide anything. As he was writing at the time, he was writing this was a normal way of describing in a picturesque manner what it looked like to get old. And so he said, these evil days as they draw near. Well, what are those? Verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way and the almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Let me start there at the end. The dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. There's been some question, I know, and some discussion in a a few of our groups about Solomon's awareness of life after death. Well, I think we see right here at the end of this passage that he was aware of it, right? Because the Spirit returns where? To God. So Solomon was aware of an eternity with God. What that looked like and how developed that was, 
I'm not sure, but certainly he knew that there was life over the sun. There was something beyond this present world. But he talks about these evil days, and let's talk about these metaphors. In verse 2, he says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds are turned after the rain. Well, the sun, the, the moon, and the stars, they all are meant to give what? Light. So that you can what? See. He's talking about our eyesight here. He says, as we get older, man, our, our eyesight worsens. You were able to read without readers at one point in your life, and now you need readers to be able to read the Bible, right? It's part of our, our, the curse, part of the fall. Our eyesight weakens. In fact, he talks about the clouds returning after the, the rain, the, the cloudiness of vision that can come in as we get older. So our eyes begin to break down. Verse 3, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. The keepers of the house are our hands. They begin to tremble more and more. Remember, my, my grandfather was a surgeon. And to be a surgeon, you have to have steady hands, don't you? You have to have hands that, that don't move so that you can make those precise incisions and precise cuts. And yet, I remember taking my newborn son, my, my firstborn, Joshua, I remember taking him to visit my grandfather for the first time. And I remember reaching out to hand him to my grandfather. And I saw his hands, these surgeon's hands, in his old age, reaching up to take my son. And they were trembling. The strong men are bent. These are the strong, these are the core, these are the, the, the vigorous muscles in the body, the leg muscles and the, the muscles in the back that no longer can flex and straighten the way they once could. And as you grow older, they begin to atrophy and it says that they hunch over in their old age. They're unable to stand up fully erect as they once were. The grinders, what do you think the grinders are? Teeth. The grinders cease because there are too few of them. When we're down in San Diego visiting my grandmother-in-law, we have to call her before we go over because she needs time to put her teeth in. She says to us all the time, give me 15 minutes or so. I don't know how long it takes to put dentures in, but for her it takes a while. But she doesn't want to scare our kids by our kids showing up and seeing grandma with no teeth in, right? But that's the reality sometimes it happens. Not to everybody, but to a lot of people. Teeth fall out. And at this time, they weren't going to see the dentist, right? So this was probably a very common reality in Solomon's day. The grinders cease because there's too few of them. And then there, those who look through the windows, what's he talking about here again? Our, our eyes, they're, they're dim, right? Well, is he talking about eyesight again? No, he's, he's not talking about eyesight this time. He's talking about when you see a child and you see that child on the patio on a Sunday morning coming back with a cup full of donuts. And you see the, the excitement in the eyes. And you see the joy and the vibrance in the eyes. The sparkle, as we often call it, in the eyes, right? Well, he's saying in old age, that sparkle dims. Verse 4. And the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. The doors of the street are what, man? Our ears, our hearing begins to go the older we get. And for some, the, the sound of grinding is brought low. Some, it, it ceases completely. But in a cruel twist of fate, as you try to sleep in in the morning or get some added rest, a single bird lands on the branch outside you, and if the landing doesn't wake you up, the tweet does. 
It's talking about the reality of, of sleep beginning to flee as we grow older. We find it more difficult to fall asleep, to stay asleep, and so easy to be awoken. And then you sit across the table from somebody and they're having a conversation and you continue to have to ask them, what? Verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, the desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. They're afraid. Fears that weren't once fears are now fears. As you become more unsteady on your feet, you are afraid of more things that once didn't phase you anymore or beforehand. The almond tree blossoms. What color are almond tree blossoms? Do you guys know? White. What's he talking about here? Our hair. And this isn't a bad thing, man. Solomon says in the book of Proverbs that gray hair is what? A crown of, of glory. A crown of glory, right? But it's also a sign of age, isn't it? Which is why it's a crown of glory. Because it's symbolic of a man who has learned much from the Lord. Because he's lived many years. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper. Now, if you've ever walked through a field and that field has grasshoppers in it and they start coming out of nowhere at you, right? It's one of the most terrifying experiences on the face of the planet. It's like they have radar, then heat-seeking legs that just hop out and they, they're going to get you no matter what. But the grasshopper is agile and its legs are so incredibly strong. And yet Solomon says the grasshopper in old age, an insect once so limber and agile has to drag those legs behind it. And desire fails. He's talking about most likely sexual desire here. That in old age, even that begins to fade away. And after all of this, Solomon says, the reason all of this is happening, and he's saying to the youth, hey, remember the creator in the days of your youth, because this is what's coming. And the reason all this is coming is because we are all headed where? To our eternal home. In other words, all of us have that appointment with death, and that appointment with death is set in stone. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. But men, like I said earlier, all of you, all of us in this room, are younger today than you will be tomorrow, younger today than you will be next week, younger today than you will be next month. So all of us need to remember the creator in the days of our youth, whatever your youth looks like right now. You may be somewhere on this, this path that Solomon has just described for us metaphorically. You may say, yep, I've got that. Check, 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 check. Or maybe you've got two checks out of the rest of them. Wherever you are, though, the call is the same. Remember the creator in the days of your youth. Because what's coming is that appointment that we all have, that appointment with death, because we are going. All of us are on that path. We are born dying. And all of us are going towards our eternal home. And that eternal home, he then describes even more metaphorically here in verses 6 and 7, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is a metaphor of a, of a well with the silver cord and the golden bowl to go down and pick up the water. And the, the water being poured into the pitcher and all of that. And the wheel to bring the cord up, right? All of that breaks down. Well, why does he go to the well? Because water was often a symbol of life. 
He's saying there's no more life to be found. Water, which was considered a source of life, is gone. And so as we are all moving towards that direction, we need to think about that. We need to consider, well, the inevitability of our, our aging. Our final point this morning is this. We need to plan to age well. Plan to age well. No matter where you are on that spectrum, plan to age well. How? How do I do that? Well, go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and start reading the whole book again. Because that's the question that Solomon's been answering for us. This is how we age well. How we should now live day to day to day to day to day. Investing well in the time that the Lord has given us. Yes, enjoying our days, enjoying the life that God has given us. Not taking the good things and making them ultimate things. But really enjoying our relationship with our creator. I mentioned at the outset of this point that that word creator implies that just that, that he is our creator and that we are accountable to him. But men, there's a third element that that implies as well. If he's our creator, he is also the one who is our, and it's another word that God uses to describe himself to us. In fact, it's, it's used quite often, especially in the New Testament, and that is he is our, our father. You want to age well? Age well in a close relationship with your heavenly father. Lean into that identity that Paul says in Romans 8, that we have the spirit of adoption as sons, and we can now address him as Abba, Father, a term reserved for the family member and the family member alone, that you now look to him, and he's not just your, your sovereign, not just your ruler, not just your Lord, not just your master. Yes, he is those things, but he has also let you know and revealed to you that he is your father and that you are his son. And I ask, do you have that kind of an intimate relationship with him? Because that's what it looks like to remember the creator in the days of your youth, no matter what your youth may look like today. Prayer, time in the word, time worshiping. Those are key elements of remembering our creator in the days of our youth. He ends vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. He's bookending his argument here before he gets to the final section, which we'll look at together next week. But vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. We can go back to chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Hopefully now we understand that a little bit more. As he's walked us through the book, as he's indicted life under the sun, and he's given us these principles for wise living, and now he's finally saying towards the end, look, we're all getting older, and we all have this appointment with death that is immovable it's there and we're going to face it and so we need to think about how we should live and he just reminds us with this last parting shot towards us to say hey look remember what i said at the beginning and use this as a guiding principle for life under the sun vanity of vanities all is vanity but if we will remember that that will help us to remember the creator in the days of our youth that will help us to plan to age well because that will encourage us and remind us to make sure that we are living for the things that truly last, the things that truly matter, and not getting deceived into thinking that that is to be found in anything that this world offers us under the sun. Solomon, in this passage, has addressed the old man, the young man, and both of us, right? 
And he's given his instructions and he's given his direction. Because Solomon doesn't want any of us to wake up one day and ask ourselves, what happened? Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you are sovereign over our aging. We are thankful that you have, in fact, written down all of the days that we will live before even a single one had come to pass. We're thankful that we don't have to be anxious about those things, but we can follow the commands of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who told us, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else that we need is going to be added to us. God, I pray that, especially in this world, and this time that we find ourselves in in history, that we wouldn't lose focus on what really matters, which is living a life of faithful obedience to you and finishing strong in that. And so I pray for all of us that we would do that, Lord, that we would not let up, slow up, or give up, but that every stride on this race that we are running, the race that you say in Hebrews has been set before us. God, I pray that every stride would be intentional, that every stride would be full of just as much passion and devotion to you as the one that came before it. And that we would fix our eyes on Christ as we run. Looking forward to that day that we're with him. Reminded of what Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ, that's what we're talking about here. And to live is Christ does not have an age limit or an age cap on it. If we are in Christ, that's our aim every single day, to live as those whose singular passion is the glory of Jesus. Help us to do that and do that well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.